Hello, welcome to Workplace Wake Up. I'm Jen Shaw. Every week I spend about 15 minutes covering legal developments, introducing you to interesting guests, and providing some entertainment to start your workday. We are going to talk about independent contractors this morning. And yes, it's a topic we have discussed before, but there's an interesting twist these days. As you may know, the Employment Development Department here in California has been much more focused on independent contractor issues lately. Many, many of our clients have received notice of audits from the Employment Development Department. They are having to provide a bunch of documents and a bunch of information uh, to the agency, and they are getting hit with what's called an assessment. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how this process works and what the independent contractor issues really um, are these days, because I think a lot of folks still have a misunderstanding. So let's start from the beginning. Remember that in California and every other state in the country, workers who provide services or who make things, workers who do things for your organization, they are presumed to be employees. Okay, and that means they are subject to all of the employment laws. We have to pay them a certain amount of money. They may be entitled to rest breaks and meal periods. We have to provide a safe workplace, all of those kinds of issues. One of the things that a lot of us have done in the past is we have thought, hey, wait a minute, I don't wanna have to do all that. I don't wanna have to hire an employee. And this person I wanna, a use for some service, let's say a marketing service, or I want them to put together packets for me, or maybe I want them to answer my phone. They don't want to be an employee either. So if I don't want them to be an employee and they don't want me to be an employee, how about we just set them up as contractors and I'll just pay them a certain amount of money and I'll give them a form 1099 at the end of the year and they can pay their taxes the following April and we will all live happily ever after. Well, if you still believe that, you have been living under a rock because what has happened in California, of course, is Assembly Bill 5, which became law several years ago, and several related laws that have made it darn near impossible for you to have an independent contractor relationship with an individual. Okay, we are not talking about companies. So when you hire our law firm to represent you, I'm not really your contractor, I'm your vendor. Right. These days, what you have are either employees or vendors. So a company you hired to clean your office, to give you legal advice, to give you marketing advice, to provide you with temporary employees, whatever you may be doing. Those are vendors. You don't want to have an independent contractor agreement with them. You want to have a vendor agreement with them. All right. Everybody else is an employee. So it used to be that I could say, hey, I'm winding down my career. I just want to spend 10, 15 hours a week um, on legal issues. Could I just be your contractor? And a law firm would pay me to be their contractor. They would pay me a set number of hours a week. They might pay me a certain hourly rate or a salary. It would depend on how we worked it out. And everybody was fine. You cannot do that anymore. There are very rare situations when you are going to be able to have an independent contractor relationship with an individual. Number one, 
Okay. You never want to contract with an individual who's going to give you their social security number. You want a federal taxpayer ID number and you want them to be able to show you they are an established organization. They're a sole proprietor. They have an LLC. They have an S corp. They're something. Okay. They're an entity. They have a website. They provide services to other folks just like you. Okay, it's not going to work for you to have someone who's just going to give you 10 hours a week of bookkeeping help and they don't work for anybody else and they don't have their own website and they don't have their own invoices and they don't actually run a company. That's what the Internal Revenue Service, the Franchise Tax Board and the Employment Development Department are trying to deal with, right? Most of these folks, 99.9999% of them have got to be classified as employees, okay? Now, how does this issue even come up? It's very rare for anyone from the Employment Development Department or the Franchise Tax Board or the IRS to do a random audit. They just don't have access, they don't have the people, they just don't do that. There are three ways you can get challenged in this area, all right? One is you decide to retain the services of a contractor and then you end up not liking them. So you get rid of them. You tell them you no longer need their services. What do they do? They apply for unemployment. You dispute the unemployment and say, are you kidding me? They're contractors. They don't get unemployment. Bam, you're going to be audited by the EDD. Because right now you've said, oh, I, I treat them as an independent contractor. Now the Employment Development Department is going to ask you to go back 12 calendar quarters Provide all of the W-2s, all of the 1099s you've given to folks, proof of what services they provided to you, proof of whether they have independent businesses. You do not want to go there. The penalties can be stiff. Many times we see up to 25% of what was actually paid to the worker being the penalties assessed to the employer. Okay, so it can be significant. The other way this happens is you have a contractor and they get hurt. What do people do when they're hurt at work? They file a workers' compensation claim. And again, you get notice of the workers' compensation claim and you say, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They're not my employee. They're not covered on my policy. They're an independent contractor. Look at this agreement I entered into with them. Clearly, they're not my employee. It even says in paragraph four that they're not my employee. You're going to be audited. And now the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board, okay, the WCAB is going to be asking you for the same information that the EDD might. And they even information share, not only with the EDD, but also with the Franchise Tax Board and the Internal Revenue Service. The third way you can get in trouble here is you have a plaintiff's lawyer who is representing an employee and says, okay, somebody who has said they're an employee and they write to you and they say you owe us money uh, because this person wasn't given their rest breaks or their meal periods and you say what are you talking about they were a contractor well now that plaintiff's lawyer is very interested in your company because now they want to know who else you classified as a contractor they may even file a claim with the edd themselves which they're allowed to do to get the edd to come audit you so there are lots of ways for you to get in trouble in this area. Now, I find that this is one of those issues where clients become very irritated with me 
they don't like the advice I'm giving and they don't really like me at that point because they figure, gosh, are you kidding me, Jen? They want to be a contractor. I want them to be a contractor. Why are you torturing me? Why are you being so difficult? The truth is, as many of our clients can attest to, these audits are painful. They are expensive. They are drawn out. Many times they can take a year or two to resolve. And every time one of those 12 quarters falls off of the audit because they can only go back 12 quarters, they're going to add a new quarter. So now you have new information to provide. And it is so tough to win because of laws like Assembly Bill 5 that you're really fighting an uphill battle. You're pushing a boulder up the hill. So what do you need to do? If at all possible, you do not have independent contractor relationships, okay? You either have vendors, as we talked about earlier, or you have employees. You forget about the phrase independent contractor. I forget the movie, I think it was Albert Brooks and his wife was gambling and she gambled their nest egg and they're in their RV and he says, um, you can't say nest and you can't say egg. Like, you, you know, we're, we're now broke because of your crazy addiction and it's hilarious. And I wanna say, that you're not allowed to say independent contractor. You can't say independent contractor. It doesn't exist. You've either got a vendor relationship or you have an employee relationship. Now, one of the things that I mentioned to you earlier is if you're going to have an independent contractor, if you are just sure that they would be classified as a contractor or you're just willing to take the risk, at the very least, make sure they have a federal taxpayer ID number. Make sure they have a business card. Make sure they have an invoice. Make sure they have a little website that they can put together in 15 minutes. Those are the kinds of things where the EDD or any other agency or even a plaintiff's lawyer looking at the issue will say, okay, they meet facially the requirements, right? It's not enough of a potential win for me to pursue this any longer. They've got a federal taxpayer ID number. They weren't providing a service that the business regularly provides. For example, if you're making widgets, you can't hire a contractor to make widgets, but you could hire a contractor to do your marketing plan, right? For selling those widgets. So there are a bunch of factors you have to look at. The California Employment Development Department and every other state, they have checklists online to help you go through what does it take to be properly classified as a contractor. And I know this is a big change for many of you. Um, there is actually a law that's been on the books for a long time in California that says if you willfully misclassify a worker as an independent contractor, you can be on the hook for $25,000 penalty and spend a year or more in jail. I don't know anybody who's had to spend jail time. I do know people who have been assessed the 25K. So this is a big deal, you guys. And I feel like a long time ago when we were waiting for the Brinker decision to come down from the California Supreme Court about rest breaks and meal periods, and we didn't know the rules we know today, right? We weren't sure, can you take an early meal period? Do you get a meal period every five hours, or is it just the first five hours of work, and then if you work 10 hours or more? How does the whole thing work? And while we're waiting for Brinker, we were talking about rest breaks and meal periods incessantly. And I feel like the same thing is happening with independent contractors. Even though we've had all of these legal developments and all of these messages from these 
agencies saying, look, people, you can't do this anymore. Forget about contractors. I don't care if they're only working four hours a week. I don't care if it's your uncle's cousin's nephew's baby, whatever. If somebody is performing services for you, 99.999% of the time, they are an employee. Even though all that is out there, some of you still call me and say, no, 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 Jen, I think this person actually will fly as a contractor. And here's what I want you to know. I will hold your coat. I don't want you to get in trouble. If you get in trouble, I will do my best to get you out of it. But I am telling you, some stoves are hot to the touch. And this one is. All right. When it's turned on, you don't want to touch it. This is where we are um, with independent contractors. It's just not worth it. I don't care that every other company in your industry does it. I don't care that it makes sense. I don't care that it's what everybody wants to do. Legally, it's not going to fly. Now you get to run your business. You get to do what you want to do. And I am not judging that. All right. Absolutely not. But what I want you to understand is there is a significant risk. Once you start talking about penalties from the EDD, penalties from the Franchise Tax Board, penalties from the IRS, maybe the Workers' Compensation Appeals Board gets involved, and then you've got plaintiff's lawyers who figure out what you're doing, that is a huge problem. And you're going to be writing a big check, and it just isn't worth it these days. So I want to strongly encourage you, forget about independent contractors. You either have a vendor relationship or you have an employee relationship. It's just not going to fly. The penalties and the risk of litigation, you can take that risk anytime you want. But I'm telling you, you are not going to win most of the time. So instead, what we should be doing is looking at, okay, what can we do to attract the best and the brightest? If we only want someone to work four or five hours a week, that's great. Let's pay them enough that they're willing to do that, right? Because remember, they're going to be paying taxes. And one of the benefits of being an independent contractor is a lot of people pay their taxes late, right? They don't have to pay them to the next year. They get the gross amount of that money that you're paying them, not the net amount after taxes. So there may be some things you need to do to make a position more attractive or to make compensation more worth it for the individual you are trying to retain. But keep in mind, the first part of the equation is to figure out what you really need this person to be doing. And if you really decide, look, I want this person, make them an employee. When you think about benefits, for example, you're going to provide California paid sick leave, but there's not a lot else you have to do. You don't have to provide vacation. You don't have to provide paid holidays. It just doesn't make sense most of the time to take the risk. You can do an assessment. You can try to figure that out. But just know that when the government comes knocking or the plaintiff's firm comes knocking, you're going to be writing a big check. Everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you're having a wonderful holiday and we'll see you next time. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to spread the word, please share it with others, post about it on social media and or rate and review it. Of course, you can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Twitter and email us at info at Workplace Wake Up, including its guests and hosts, do not provide legal advice in this podcast. 
do not act upon any of the information discussed in this podcast without consulting a licensed attorney in your jurisdiction.